Welcome to episode 207 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on July 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we got some distro news, app news, and even some hardware news to talk about. All of this and so much more coming up right now on your weekly source for Linux Good News. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. First up in the show this week, I'm going to California. Well, I'm going to Scale, which also happens to be in California, the Southern California Linux Expo, which is July 28th through 31st. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting thing because I've never been to Scale before. And I have been to some conferences, but not one at this size. For those who aren't familiar, Scale is one of the largest conferences for fans of open source and free software in the country. Uh, the event is run entirely by volunteers of the open source community, and it goes over the course of four days. These will feature sessions from many different well-known experts uh, from Red Hat, SUSE, Google, IBM, Linux Professional Institute, Netflix, GitHub, AWS, the Walt Disney Company, and so many more. There will also be booths for exhibitors where you'll be able to meet and talk with members of the community from projects and companies like Fedora Linux, Alma Linux, KDE, GNOME, GitLab, DigitalOcean, OpenSUSE, System76, and many more. In fact, there will also be a Tux Digital booth where you can come and talk with me, Jill, and Ryan of Destination Linux will also be joining me. There will be so much fun. I can't wait. Uh, if you're in the area and want to attend Scale19x, then you can use the coupon code that they hooked us up with. So you get 50% 50, 50 off your registration if you use the coupon code TUX. That's T-U-X. And I'm pretty sure it has to be a capital T-U-X, but I can't guarantee that. Just be sure to do that anyway. And if you do attend Scale this year, then be sure to stop by booth 901, where we'll be giving away some Tux Digital swag. And I can't wait to see you there. You can get some Tux Digital swag. And who doesn't want that, right? In fact, honestly, I'm going to keep some of it myself. There's going to be a lot to give out, but I'm going to keep a couple. <laughs> On episode 204 of Twill, we talked about a potential laptop powered by the RISC-V architecture. And I gotta say, I am so excited about this effort because RISC-V has potential to be a major game changer in the world of open hardware. So the more products using it, the better. With that said, Deep Computing and Excalibite have announced that pre-orders are now open for the Roma platform, the first native RISC-V development laptop. The company said in a press release that this laptop will feature a yet-to-be-announced quad-core RISC-V processor with a companion NPU and GPU. So we have a little bit of information about the specs, but not a ton. So right now it says a quad-core RISC-V CPU with free SOC and SOM upgrades, a security enclave processor, a GPU-slash-NPU feature accelerator for video and AI, up to 16 gigabytes of LPDDR4X RAM, and also up to 256 gigs of storage. They also have one bonus feature that's kind of fun, is that the packaging that the Roma comes in converts into a cardboard laptop stand. I mean, that's kind of fun. I'm not sure why you really want to do that, but I like it. Now, there are some other bonuses that are 
not very fun, in my opinion. So they talk about having a Web3 friendly platform with NFT creation and publication plus integrated MetaMask style wallet. The founder and CEO of Excalibite and Deep Computing, Yuning Liang, said with built-in POS, NFT, and MetaMask style wallet, Roma is born for the metaverse. And the first 100 customers to pre-order the Roma will receive a unique NFT to mark the birth of the world's first native RISC-V development platform laptop. Liang goes on to say, this is the laptop of the future. We will spare no effort to provide the best RISC-V native ex- uh, development experience for developers. Now, most of this sounds great, except that NFT stuff. I suppose this would be part of the operating system that comes with it and not part of the hardware, so you could simply wipe out the OS and put on whatever Linux distro you want to. But I still kind of find it as a weird thing to see in a pre-release announcement about a laptop. I mean, in my opinion, it's it's just kind of odd to see NFTs and that sort of thing talking about as a, as a feature of a laptop. But I am a big fan of RISC-V, so I hope this laptop is successful in some extent, but maybe they get rid of the NFT thing, because that's just... It just seems kind of sketch. If you'd like to learn more about this, you'll find links in the show notes. So let's talk about a cool open source app slash service that I found called Habitica. Habitica is a free habit building and productivity app that helps you treat parts of your life like a game, aka gamification. So Habitica can help you with whatever kind of goals that you're wanting to do. Maybe you want to improve your work life, improve healthy habits, or, well, anything else you want. It's essentially a to-do list app plus an RPG combined to help you get things done. And I've been using this for a couple of months, and I think it has helped me stay engaged with getting things done that I want to. So I wanted to bring it to your attention here on the show to let you know about it if you haven't heard of it. I also wanted to feature it here to let you know that I made a video about Habitica on my channel. So if you would like to learn more about it and also to get some pro tips from me, then you'll find link to the video in the show notes as well as the cards for those who are watching Twill on YouTube. Although if you're watching live, the cards don't exist yet, but the edited version will have it. So there you go. If you, so if you'd like to learn more, links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is an awesome company that provides great services, and they make cloud computing to be like a simple, reliable, and affordable setup, so you don't really have to put in any kind of massive effort in terms of trying to create your own infrastructure. DigitalOcean has you covered. And DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building your world-changing apps that will help you grow your business. Also, DigitalOcean has predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. And you can get started with DigitalOcean from any stage of growth, whether you have a team of one person or a team of thousand people. With DigitalOcean, you get simple, powerful cloud computing. And as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is going to give you a $100 free credit. That's that's right, $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux 2022. So go get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. 
2022. And I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. Epic Games has released a full proper download of the Unreal Engine 5 for Linux developers. Previously, you would need to compile it yourself to use UE5 on Linux, which required over 100 gigabytes of disk space for all the dependencies and stuff. And this new download only requires 60 gigabytes of disk space. I know that is still a lot, but saving 40 gigabytes is certainly an improvement. Now, there is a catch to get this download as you will need to have an Epic account and you will need to accept their EULA before getting access to the download, which in terms of using UE5, you have to do that anyway, so it's not really any different for those who are wanting to use Unreal Engine 5 regardless. In some more Epic Games news, Epic Games has joined the Open3D Foundation as a premier member, joining the likes of Adobe, AWS, Intel, Microsoft, and others, and supporting their mission to produce a AAA FOSS game engine. It's not clear what a premier member entails for the Open3D Foundation exactly, but here's a statement from Epic Games. To quote Epic Games, they say that the, the metaverse will require companies to work together to advance open standards and open source tools, and we believe that the Open3D Foundation will play an important role in this journey, says Mark Pettit, the VP of Unreal Engine Ecosystem at Epic Games. Mark also goes on to say, with shared standards for interoperability, we're giving creators more freedom and flexibility to build interactive 3D content using the tools they're most comfortable with and to bring those amazing experiences to life in Unreal Engine and other 3D engines. This, this is interesting because creating a FOSS game engine would seemingly compete with Unreal Engine, so seeing Epic Games participate in this is pretty cool. And I want to like Epic Games, because they do things like this, and they also make Unreal Engine 5 available for Linux developers and that sort of thing, so people can change, like if they want to change their workflow but they rely on UE5, they can now use Linux, you know, instead of having to rely on Windows, and that's awesome, so I'm really glad to see that. But I, I really want them to be better stewards of the gaming community, because I, I, I want them to be good stewards of the gaming, in fact, but they're often known for doing great things while also mixed with awful things like locking down games to their own app store, even for games that started outside of Epic Games years and years prior. I'm talking about Rocket League, of course. And they've also done donations to different open source projects at the same time. So it's kind of like sometimes the news is good about Epic Games and sometimes it's not. So I just want them to, you know, embrace the open source approach, embrace the Linux platform, and we'll be we'll be friends. Help me help you kind of thing. <laughs> so anyway, if you'd like to learn more about this Open3D Foundation information or check out the binary downloads for the UE5 on Linux, you'll find links in the show notes. For those interested in audio production or music creation, Bitwig is an application that you should check out. For those unfamiliar, Bitwig Studio is a digital audio workstation application. Bitwig is designed to be an instrument for live performances, as well as a tool for composing, recording, arranging, mixing, and mastering of audio. It has options for linear and nonlinear workflows, a modular structure, and flexibility in all aspects of the software. You can pretty much customize it however you want it to be. And it also has support for Linux. The reason I wanted to talk about Bitwig is we need more professional grade creative tools on Linux. So I appreciate when an application or a company supports Linux, such as Bitwig supporting Linux. But this week I found out that they built 
they build their own official flat pack. Now, flat packs are great, but sometimes it's hard to tell if a flat pack is managed by the official developers or if it's a community contribution, which is also great to see, but I would like to see more official builds as well. So I wanted to highlight Bitwig this week as I found out that this week, the flat pack for Bitwig is officially built by Bitwig themselves. Uh, Bitwig also supports Pipewire, and to top it all off, they're working on a new, more open and extensible audio plugin format called Clap, so they get a lot of points from me. Uh, and I, want to, I wanted to see a lot more creative companies making Linux-compatible software, and I think Flatpak is a great way to accomplish that. If you'd like to learn more about Bitwig, I'll have links in the show notes. On a previous episode of Twill, we talked about the Asahi Linux project, and I have some more news from the Asahi Linux project, and it is really exciting news. For those unfamiliar, the Asahi Linux project was created to make it possible to run Linux on Apple Silicon, which is like the Apple M1s or the M2s. Asahi Linux was founded by Hector Martin, and and he's a seasoned reverse engineer and developer, and he has more than 15 years of experience porting Linux and running unofficial software on all sorts of different devices, including uh, PS4 Linux and various different contributions to Wii Homebrew ecosystem and much more. So Asahi Linux has issued an update with initial support for the Mac Studio powered by the M1 Ultra, as well as having initial support for the new Apple M2 hardware. And this is great news because it shows the work they have been doing has some future proofing with the initial support for the Apple M2 hardware. So people were worried about whether or not the work for the M1 would be negated by the M2 coming out. And it seems like there is some benefit of having that and the gradual the gradual uh, approach from going from the M1 to the M Ultra to the uh, M2 does seem to be a viable option for Asahi Linux, which is just fantastic. And for those who aren't sure why this work is being done, well, let's face it, Apple is a powerful company and not supporting Apple hardware would be a negative to the Linux community in the long run, in my opinion, anyway. And this is why I'm so glad to see such progress from the Asahi Linux project. And if you'd like to learn more about the latest progress from Asahi Linux, check out their July 2022 status report blog post, which you'll find linked for in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Bitwarden is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, it provides you with various different types of tools, like a password vault to store all of your passwords in, an auto generator to generate passwords for you. You can even generate usernames as well. As uh, Also, they add an addition to the support of Firefox Relay, so you can even generate uh, email addresses if you want to. There's also the ability to automatically fill in passwords on login forms. So you don't have to do any of this stuff. And you can access all of your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line, Bitwarden has you covered. Also, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data, which is very important for a password manager. Just wanted to put that out there. Very important to have access only for you. So I really love the fact that they do it in a local encryption style. So go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And did I mention you can start it for free? 
Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because for less than a dollar per month, you get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, Priority Customer Service, Bitwarden Send, and so much more. You get all of this for less than a dollar per month. That's right. So make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux and sign up and also check out their premium accounts because for less than a dollar per month, you could basically just justify that as a, you know, thanking them for making such an awesome product. Even if you don't use the premium services, there's so much good stuff that they're they're offering that, you know, if you're like me, you want to show your support for that company. So go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And thanks again for Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux. Up next in the show, we're going to talk about Apache's Open Office because they have a new release. But before we get to that, for some brief backstory, Open Office first started as a part of Sun Microsystems. But one day, a one dark injury day, Sun Microsystems sold their company to the big bad wolf. I mean, Oracle. And on that day, the village feared Open Open Office would become an abandoned project by Oracle, which it was. So the villagers decided to take matters into their own hands and fork the project into what becomes LibreOffice. Many years later, LibreOffice has become a staple of the open source community and the clear go-to option for a lot of people looking for an open source office suite alternative. Today, we're talking about OpenOffice again in the form of Apache OpenOffice because even though LibreOffice has taken the place as the go-to alternative office suite, OpenOffice still exists as a part of the Apache Foundation. It's been almost 12 years since LibreOffice was forked from OpenOffice, and the vast majority of the advancements and work is done on the LibreOffice project. But for some reason, OpenOffice still exists, and it seems like no one knows why. So after almost 12 years, LibreOffice is on version 7.3, and OpenOffice hasn't seen a major release in almost 10 years. I typically don't like to be negative on this show because I like to highlight fun and cool items as much as possible. But in this case, Apache, please stop. So let's just redirect all of the domains and etc. of OpenOffice to LibreOffice and let's end this pointless kind of confusion issue. For a quick personal story, kind of like anecdotal story, but I have heard people who have used LibreOffice for years and years occasionally refer to LibreOffice as OpenOffice because they found that project first. And the brand of OpenOffice is pretty fantastic, but the project isn't. So let's address it by moving everything to LibreOffice instead. When people search for OpenOffice, it just takes them to LibreOffice. That makes the most sense to me, but... That's just my two cents. I, but I get, of course, I am, you know, just some guy making videos on the internet, so I could be wrong. But with that said, if you'd like to check out the latest release of OpenOffice 4.1.13, link in the show notes. System76 has announced another new product, and that is the updated Oryx Pro laptop. So this laptop is is a beast it has a lot of powerful hardware so let's first talk about the os you have the options of pop os 2204 or ubuntu 2204 and what's really cool about system 76 products is that they have open firmware based on core boot edk2 and also their own system 76 firmware apps uh, this the processor in this laptop is a 12th gen intor intor 
Intel Core is what I was trying to say. Intel Core i7-12700H. That just rolls right off the tongue, not even counting the whole Intel Core. In, in core, I don't even remember what I said. Up to 4.7 gigahertz that you have for this processor and 24 megabytes of cache and six P cores and eight E cores. Now with graphics, you have the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3070 Ti or the 3080 Ti as options. So pretty powerful graphics system, uh, up to 64 gigabytes of dual channel DDR4 memory, up to four terabytes of storage with two M.2 PCIe Gen 4 by four slots. And they have a lot of expansion options and ports. Like you have support for Thunderbolt. You have support for uh, USB 3.2 Gen 1 and Gen 2. You also have a micro SD card reader, which is really nice to see. And they have support for multiple different display options. So if you wanted to use an external display with HDMI or mini display port or even over Thunderbolt 4, you can do that. Now, this laptop sounds like an absolute beast. But of course, that means it's not going to be a cheap laptop. The new Oryx Pro starts at 2199 USD with monthly payment options for as paying as low as $123 a month if you want to do it that way. Now, this kind of price is not at all uncommon for high-end laptops, but there is one thing I was somewhat disappointed to see, and that was the 1080p display. I'd really like to see at least a 1440p or even a better display in future System76 products because it's just, I would like to see higher quality displays being used. Because if you're not familiar, the 1080p display has become more of like a baseline these days. And if you'd like to learn more about this and why it's important, check out episode 286 of Destination Linux, where we talked about a bunch of Linux laptops, including a different System76 laptop that were released a few weeks ago, all in the same week, which was really interesting. And in that discussion, we explained why 1080p is the new baseline bare minimum these days and why we want to see higher resolutions being offered. Well, not really higher resolution. The spoiler alert is that it's about the quality, not the resolution. But for more details, check out the episode of 286 of Destination Linux, which I'll have linked in the show notes. But with that all said, this laptop does seem like a definite powerhouse. And if you are in the market for something like this, then you'll find links in the show notes. So FFmpeg 5.1 has been released. And this is a really good thing because um, FFmpeg is a fantastic project. It's got an, it's an open source multimedia project for video encoding and decoding and a lot of other reasons that you'd want to use it. Uh, but it's not typically talked about because it's not widely known what it's for. So for those unfamiliar, it's a cross-platform solution to record, convert, and stream audio and video. So FFmpeg is an incredibly useful project that doesn't get a lot of attention because it works mostly as an underlying project used by other projects such as Caden Live or Shotcut and others. That is why I wanted to cover it on the show today to give it some more attention because FFmpeg is awesome. Now the new features in FFmpeg 5.1 are they added VDPAU AV1 hardware acceleration support contributed by NVIDIA for use with their latest RTX 30 series graphics cards and beyond. And this is in addition to the NVDEC AV1 support that already existed in FFmpeg. So they've also added AVIF, which is Image Muxer support for the AV1 based image format. They added JPEG XL image support. 
They added IPFS and IPNS protocol support, as well as adding PCM Blu-ray encoder support and much more. If you'd like to learn more about FFmpeg, the latest version of 5.1, or just FFmpeg in general, you'll find links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the channel and the show, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, and others. You can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and just hang out every week after the show. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt that I'm currently wearing by going to tuxdigital.com store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff. We have hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, coasters, all sorts of great stuff. You can check it all out at tuxdigital.com store. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episodes of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts, as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the Tux Digital Network. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 1700 UTC. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to tuxdigital.com live, except for next week, because I will be in California at scale, so I won't be live doing the show. However, I think I might try to get a show pre-recorded and published on the typical time, so look out for that. I may or may not do that. I haven't decided yet, so this is more of like a, a possible notification that it still might happen or might not. I don't know, but I'll be in California, so I won't be able to do it live. However, I will try to get another episode out anyway. Thanks for watching this episode, and I'm Michael Tunnell with the Tux Digital Network. And I'll see you next week, maybe, but definitely the week after that for another episode of your weekly source for Linux good news. <laughs>